Well, this month has been uh, the beginning of months. We're on that again. And I want to show you just to start with tonight a couple of pictures, and hopefully they'll get up there on the screen. But this here, have you got the first pic? There it is. That is this. That's a picture I took. This is a Lamy Pika hen. And uh, show the second pic. When you press on it, it comes out and you can write with it. And I've owned one of these for I don't know how many years. I've lost a couple, given away about 10. Um, usually when I go through the airport, about one out of every three times, the guy scanning stuff picks it up, thinks it looks a little bit too projectile-like. Like it happened to me on Wednesday morning early. The guy picks it up. I'm standing there watching and he starts unscrewing it. Last guy who did that, there was a refill, there was a spring, there was stuff all over the floor, everyone's down their hands and knees and holding up the line while they try and find the bits to my pen. So I leaned over. I don't advise you to say this in a security situation. I leaned over and I said, don't unscrew it. (laughs) Wednesday morning, don't unscrew it. Well, I had everybody's attention. At that moment, fortunately, one of the guys on the team there knows who I am and he kind of was hovering around and we got through. I said, it's a pen. Just press the end of it. And they go, oh, I've had them say to me, prove it and make me write with it. I, I, why do I have this pen? Well, I have this pen because when it's like that, it doesn't poke holes in your pocket like most pens do. So anyway, there's a free advertisement for Lamy Pika pens if you want one. Why did I show you that? It's because, see, if you don't know what this is, you will always misuse what you don't understand. And the guy on Wednesday morning is about to misuse this. He's not going to do something with it for what it was designed. He's about to do something he shouldn't do. He's about to un, you know, ravel. He's going to pull it apart and maybe even damage it. And the same thing goes for the church of Jesus. I just want to speak to you briefly tonight about the church. We're speaking about the vision and about God's house and about getting clarity. But tonight, and and listen, because even if you say to me, Jeff, I'm not in a church and I'm not even interested. I hope you are. Maybe that's why you're here. But I'd love you to think with me a minute. Because I find so many people and so many believers have got such a low-grade Uh, perspective and picture of what the church is meant to be. A lot of people think church is basically kind of like God's waiting room. You know, you go there for long enough, one day you die. And if, if you've been going there long enough, you go straight to heaven. They think of church as God's waiting room. Other people think of it as kind of like a great social club. I go there and I meet people and I make friends there. And other people think it's the gift emporium. I go there and I discover the gifts that have been latent inside of me, hidden away. And in that environment in church, I get to express my gifts. I said to them in Adelaide last week, so many people treat the anointing of God on their life as though it's a coat rack. When they leave church, they take their anointing off, hang it on a peg and say, I'll be back for you next week. Then when they come to church the next time, they go there and they pick up their anointing because for so many people, their whole idea of what God wants to do with your life is all contained within these four walls. 
But God didn't anoint you for a service in church. Listen to me. God anointed you for service, period. The anointing on my life is not the anointing to speak in church. It's the anointing to speak and to lead wherever I am. So it doesn't matter. I've been in places where I've had words of knowledge, where God has given me a fragment supernaturally of information about someone. I was standing in a check-in line. I think Rhonda was with me in Brisbane. It was at the Qantas desk. And as I'm checking in, the Holy Spirit said to me, tell this man that his son's going to be okay. And when I spoke to this guy, he literally just like went pretty like, as you'd imagine, Probably doesn't happen that often. He said, how could you know? Well, see, the anointing on my life is not the anointing for a church service. It's the anointing for service. If you are, have got a, a calling and a grace on your life for, for making people feel welcome, it's not just for making people feel welcome in here. I don't think my church is the people who turn up on Sunday. I think my church, your church, I think our church is everybody out there that hasn't yet come. And so I pass the people literally that have never been inside the walls of this church. I care for them, I shepherd them, I help them, I counsel them, even though they've never come yet to this church, but I'm their pastor. I'm involved with their life. And I want to encourage you, think bigger about what God's called you to do. Don't shrink it down to the size of your roster or where you serve particularly. Are you, have you got the anointing for kids' ministry? Then you ought to be helping kids everywhere around your world. You ought to be reaching them, not just when you're on kids' church roster. If you've got the ministry, and some people do here tonight, of helping the poor, then helping the poor is not when I turn up to hope. And I serve on a Tuesday or Friday. The, if I've got an anointing for that, my anointing is for every day of every week in every space. And so if I don't understand what God says the church is and how it's meant to work, then I will have such a small opinion of it. And like the man who is about to wreck my pen, you will never understand it and it'll never work for you. This guy never could have written anything with my pen because he didn't know what it was for. I use it all the time. So much so that I carry a spare refill in my bag when I fly. So I don't have to go hunting one down. Why? Because it's useful to me. And if you understand what the church is about, it'll change your whole opinion about what God wants to do with you and through you and for you. So let me just give you a couple of quick things. Tonight. I'm not going to be too long. First thing I want to tell you about the church is that the church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5 verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So when I read that, I begin to understand that the church, and when I come to church, when I worship at church, 
when I serve at church, when I'm giving at church, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 is being activated in my life. God is actually getting you and I ready for something that will stop the entire universe. He has something on his agenda, something on his plan that is going to so be revealed. The, the bride of Christ, it says in the book of Revelation, the bride has made herself ready. And you and I need to understand that when we, why does it matter how I do church life? Does it matter if I get offended? You know, the Holy Spirit tells me to go somewhere or other else. Because that happens. and You know, I'm pretty relaxed generally. I've never tried to hold anybody. I've never persuaded anybody to, to uh, stay. I don't think of my life. I just go, well, if God wants you to go, then we'll celebrate that. And, and, and that's great. But, you know, I know that there's been another group of people, another bunch of people who, who struggle to do life well inside the house of God. Can I tell you that it matters how we do life together? It matters how I serve. Why? Because everything I do is about getting a bride ready for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you getting this? Everything I do. So you know what? When I just get offended and don't deal with it, when I allow an offence to linger in my heart, what I'm really doing is saying there's a dirty mark on the dress, but don't worry about it. It's not important. You know, I married our bride the other day, last Saturday, I think, wasn't it, Rhonda? You and I both went. And there was only a, a couple of family members there, I think the mum, the dad, just about half a dozen or so. And I was amazed how much effort the bride went to for that day, even though there's six people there, or eight, including us. Her dress was immaculate. The flowers were special. The, the whole area had been prepared beautifully. Why? Because she was careful about what she was preparing for. It was the whole service took less than half an hour. But because she knew how much it meant, she knew the significance of standing there and saying, I take this person to be my lawful wedded husband. Have a whole this day forward for better for worse for rich poor and sickness and health and cherish. <laughs> to death to his part. And thereto I give you my promises, one who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now he, he, she turns to him and says, you know, and says the reverse of that or the converse of that or the obverse of that, whichever one it is. And, and away they go. And can I say to you, I hope you get this. Never just park yourself at the low level of the church attender. I watched the football this afternoon, not the, not the AFL. I watched my beloved Brisbane Broncos. Forty-four points to ten. Flogged. Smashed. Season over. Finished. I know. Do you feel my pain, sister? Yeah, I just, I just sat there going, oh, God, you know. And, but five minutes in, I, I kind of I thought, oh, I think they're in trouble today, even though they were ahead in the school board, just the way they carried themselves. And I look at that and go, wow. But you know, there was a lot of people that attended the game. Tens of thousands of them. Yesterday at the Eagles game, what was it, Peter? 65,000? 60,000 people, and you were one of them. 60,000 people were there. But you know, 60,000 people attended the game. 21 people, is that how many there is? 
18 East Thank you so much. I'm really into the AFL in a big way. 36 people played the game. Can I say to you, the way I, I'm, I've never spoken like this in the life of this church. And I want to put it out there because on Revision Sunday, I want you to go, you know what? What I do here matters. The way I do it here matters. Whether I serve people with a great spirit that represents Christ or whether I serve going, oh, well, they should be grateful I even turned up. You know, wouldn't it be terrible if the groom had turned up last Saturday, hadn't shaved, wearing his thongs, for those from England, that means something on your feet. And, uh, and you know, if he turned up like that, going, oh, who cares? You know, she's there looking resplendent, looking amazing. You'd go, what? That's wrong. Well, I want you to understand the way I do this really matters. Now, I'm not so naive as to think everyone's going to love each other all the time. We're all going to be happy, clappy and you know, it's just going to be beautiful and everything is beautiful. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, I love you. I, you know, there can be difficulties in church life. I just want to make sure that I deal with them in a godly way because what I do here matters. I, I'm a part of a bride being prepared for a wedding day. Are you with me? Here's the second thing I want to say. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. It's a strange verse, I think. It says this, But if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Now listen to, listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews, Pharisee of the Pharisees, out of the tribe of, the, uh, of Benjamin, you know, circumcised the eighth day, blah, blah, blah. He's a, the Jew of the Jews, but now he's talking about the church that he did not know about 20 years before. And he says this, that you should know how to conduct yourself in the church, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I get it being the pillar of the truth. It holds truth up. I get that. The thing that flummoxes me a little is that we're not just, God doesn't just describe the church as the pillar. It holds something up. It's holding up the truth of God. And we as believers uh, have convictions about the way life ought to be led and about what God says about how to do relationships in life. I get the pillar bit, but he doesn't say you're just the pillar of the truth. He says you're the very ground of it. He says truth springs out of who you are. Truth springs out of the church. And again, in a world that is looking for sense and in a world that is looking for some kind of, uh, of hello in the midst of all the confusion, God says the church is where you find it. Wow, what a remarkable thing that is. When I come to church, I'm not listening to sermons. I'm listening to truth. That profoundly changes the way you live in this place. Everything a Christian does has eternal impact. If that doesn't sober you up a tad, I don't know what would if you're a Christian. Because for me, I go, wow. You know, we have a saying amongst the staff and some of the leadership team, we say there's no throwaway Sundays. There's 52 of them in a year. And every single service matters. We plan for all of them, no matter what the size or how big the thing is, because every single one 
matters. I've never come to preach going, oh, well, they can just have the, the B side of the hit single. I don't think like that. Coming into this service tonight, I feel the weight of what God wants to do. Doesn't matter who's in front. I feel the weight of it just the same. Why? Because the church has everything it does has got eternal impact. You carry that. I carry that. Wherever I go, not just in, in service, but everywhere. And the, I want you to get this because his investment in your life and mine, his investment in the church, we just read it. He says he gave his life for it. It's full and complete, 100%. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. Acts 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to the church. That's why coming up in the next three months, we've got three prayer and worship nights. One's on Friday, September 21. The next one's on a Tuesday, October 16. The next one's on a Thursday, November 8. We picked three different nights of the week. It'll go about an hour because we would like everybody in our church to come to at least one because we're going to be praying over so many of the areas. I don't believe this year of beginnings is something that we ought to go, well, we're on a Christmas now. I believe we ought to stay on track and we're going to be praying about those things together. Just before I finish, uh, I want to show you a video. I showed it this morning, but tonight I want to show it to you for a different reason. It's the story of a lady in our church and another person in our church who, who invited her and who said, I want to welcome you and make you aware that church could be your space. It's an incredible story. I've told this lady on several occasions, you know, if ever you write your life story in a book, Hollywood will turn it into a blockbuster. I'm giving you the tiniest little bit of detail in the video of her life. She was here this morning along with a friend who invited her. But tonight I'd like you to, to watch it and I'd like you to think for yourself if this woman could come through all that, what might God bring me through for his glory? Watch the screens. I'll be back in a minute. I'm here today with Trophine Williams. Trophine and her husband Jim and their two beautiful children, Joshua and Esther, have been a part of our church for, I guess, a couple of years now. And it is an amazing story. Some of you will have heard Trophine's story. And we won't go into all the detail today, Trophine, but you were raised in Rwanda. And in 1994, what we now know as the Rwandan genocide took place. You and your sister were the only two of your family who managed to escape the horror of those days. And finally, after that, you were able to come to Australia as a refugee. And you grew up here. And I guess probably at that point you thought, gee, all my dreams have come to fruition. This is amazing. But you ended up as an adult getting married. Turns out the marriage was anything but a good thing. There was lots of pain. And then, so a couple of years after that, you find yourself as a young single mum of two beautiful children going, where was all that? And where do you find God in the midst of all of what was going on? And so I just wanted to ask you, at that point of your life, single mum, two kids, the Rwandan genocide, a broken marriage, how did you feel about God? What was your feelings on what was happening? At that point, I was so broken, as you say. To the point where I told God, I, I actually said a prayer, and I told God, today's the day I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done with the Bible, I'm done with Christian, I'm done with the church. 
saying anything to you officially and the Holy Spirit makes you. I just love that. Thank you for sharing this story with us. I think it's such a powerful thing because I I always wonder whether there aren't more trophenes out there. You know, now you're a happily married mum. What a beautiful family you have. All of that. And it all took place out of one believer saying, I care enough to invite someone. So thank you both. Thanks for your story. Amazing story. An incredible story, that one. And uh, she's a beautiful lady and her family are lovely. And it's so great seeing somebody journey out of that level of brokenness. Some people's brokenness is obvious like that. Some people's is not so obvious. There are people that are here and maybe you don't look broken, but inside there's brokenness there. There are people up on the terrace that are pulling in six-figure incomes and more, far more. And yet there can be brokenness in someone's life, regardless of how big the house is or how fancy the title might be. And I believe that God wants us as a church. Revision Sunday is about saying, can we come back again and go, we're here to reach the lost. Lost are all kinds. They're lost like Trophine. I wonder how many of us would have lived opposite Trophine, seen a single mum and then had the story unveiled about her family all being killed. Just her and her sister escaping out of that pain. I wonder how many of us would have had the boldness to say, maybe church, would you like to come? I, I know Jesus. It's not church that does the changing. It's Jesus who does. Would you stand with me a minute? I want us to pray together tonight for all the trophines that are out there and the people that are all the Wendy's. Wendy's never been a Rwandan refugee. She's a grandma. Her encounter came when her grandson, a young child, had a stroke. Some people in our creative arts team went out for dinner, spent time with her, not by accident, it was God ordained. The husband hears the story about her grandson's got a stroke and without anybody saying anything, they never debated it. He says, excuse me, man, gets up, goes out, goes to an ATM and comes back and gives her enough cash to be able to fly to New South Wales to go and see her grandson. At the end of that, the, the lady in our creative arts team says to, uh, says to Wendy, you know, we go to church, we, you'd be welcome at our church. Not realising what would happen, she turned up the very next day and then I met her at the traffic light down the road. She's weeping. She's no Rwandan refugee. I wonder who there is around you and around me that's waiting just for someone to say, you'd be welcome. We're doing everything we can to create welcome. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to do some more of that. Can we pray? Father, we pray tonight for every person that is around our world. Some of them look like they've got not a care. They look like they've got no need. And yet, Lord, there are people that are concerned about their kids. I spoke to a dad this morning, a son in year 12, and he's concerned about what the end of the year looks like for his son. I spoke to another person just this week, Lord, whose life seems like it's coming unstuck because of sickness. And I pray, God, for all those people. Lord, would you anoint us afresh with an anointing that will go outside of these four walls and that you can use to touch the people that you love. Lord, thank you for putting us in a church, your family, the bride you're getting ready 
We thank you for what you're doing in that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for anybody here in this place who says, I don't know Christ. They haven't taken the step of allowing Jesus into their life. Lord, I thank you for them. Pray that tonight they'll say yes to you in any way or any form that fits their heart. Lord, would you help them just to respond and open their life to you in Jesus' name. Just before I finish, please look this way a minute. I'll be through in about 60 seconds. Up on the screen, you'll see the yes text number 0488826392. This was in the year of beginnings. We started this in February, I think, little realising the impact that it would have in the lives of people. At our last water baptism, two of the people that got baptised were people that originally had texted yes to say to, to Christ, I want you in my life. I know last Sunday, I think, Bruce, I'm right, it was 14 last week. Uh, the week before, 14 people. And that's not just on Sundays. Now it's happening on Mondays and Tuesdays. Bruce can tell me a number on Tuesday and by Thursday it's changed again. And I love the fact that people can privately make a commitment that's not based out of one moment in a service, one response out of an emotion. But they can say, i really thinking about this. I want to follow Christ. You can do that anytime. 24-7-0488-826-392. Text that through in the next morning at 7 a.m. You'll get a Bible verse and a prayer that'll help you start journeying with God. All right? It's an awesome thing. And I, I love it if you do that tonight. Sometimes in service I see people hold up their phones and take a photo of that slide. And so I'm not surprised when in the next week a yes text comes through. You know, all we're really doing is taking altar calls into the 21st century. Uh, That's all we're doing. But it's something that God is using. However you come to Christ, we're excited for you in doing that. Amen. Well, we've been running a super competition. You can be seated for one second. We've been running a super competition all through winter. Winter's finished, praise God. Summer can't come quick enough. One month of summer is going to be nacho month. I just decided that because I like nachos. And uh, I'm not sure where the other one. We'll have chocolate fountain night. We're going to have one night. It's going to be chocolate. One month is going to be chocolate month. I just come up with that one too. Just occurred to me. I'm not sure. Am I supposed to be writing this down? Somebody better. Uh, But we had a soup comp and you got to vote for it. Come on out, Nikki. Uh, Nikki's holding the grand prize. Look at this. 50 soup recipes to change your life. And look at this. Come on up here, dear. Look at this. Wow. Look at that. Oh. How many people go, I wish I had one of those? That's a soup tureen. It's beautiful. And I'm here to announce tonight the grand prize winner. Was it, what, what was the soup she made? Potato and leek. Potato and leek. And the winner is? Karen. <laughs> Karen Morley Potter. Here she is. Soup Queen. So what's that? You're grateful for the cutting board now, look what you've got. And you're all invited to uh, Karen and Foz House. Maybe next winter when it's soup time again. 
But uh, tonight, we thought we'd go a bit old school tonight. How many people remember the old days of church when it was Sayo biscuits and a cup of international roast? We don't have that. But we do have coffee and tea and biscuits. Hope you can hang around. I don't know, what kind of biscuits are they? Milo, how old school are we getting? Should have had Sayo's with tomato on it. They got made in the afternoon and they're all soggy. No, 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 no. Stay for some of that. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of church. If you need prayer, come up here. We'd love to pray with you tonight. God bless you. See you somewhere soon. Have an amazing week and do something great for God.